This is Make It Okay Stories, the podcast, brought to you by the Iowa Healthy Estate Initiative. Make It Okay is a community campaign to reduce stigma by starting conversations and increasing understanding about mental illness. In this podcast, you'll hear from Iowans who want to share their personal stories of living with a mental illness in an effort to reduce stigma for others. This episode features Mary Nell, a new mom and dog mom who experienced postpartum depression. Before we hear from Mary Nell, we'd like to take a moment to thank Business Solver for supporting this podcast. Since 1998, Business Solver has delivered market-changing benefits technology and services supported by an intrinsic responsiveness to client needs. The company creates client programs that maximize benefits program investment, minimize risk exposure, and engage employees with easy-to-use solutions and communication tools to assist them in making wise and cost-efficient benefits selections. Founded by HR professionals, Business Solver's unwavering service-oriented culture and secure SaaS platform provide measurable success in its mission to provide complete client delight. Learn more and download a suite of free resources to assist you in promoting mental health in the workplace at businesssolver.com. Thank you, Business Solver. Now it's time to hear from Mary Nell. Hi, I'm Mary Nell Trevs. I live in Des Moines with my husband, Mark, our daughter, Grace, and our standard poodle, Ruby. I want to take a few minutes to share my mental health story with you. In 2019, I was pregnant with my first child. I was fortunate to have a supportive employer, good health insurance, and the best network of friends and family to provide support and reassurance as my husband and I embarked on this new path toward parenthood. Our daughter, Grace, was born in August, and we were fortunate to have an uncomplicated delivery and a healthy baby. Soon, it was time to leave the hospital and bring our little girl home. Before we left, the nurse administered a depression screen as part of their standard discharge protocol and recommended that my husband administer the screening a few days later. Those first few weeks of Grace's life were a blur of diaper changes, feedings, introducing Grace to family and friends, and getting to know our new bundle of joy. But they were also some of the hardest weeks of my life. At Grace's first doctor's appointment, we learned that she had lost a concerning amount of weight since she was born. We would later learn that Grace had laryngomalacia, which is a congenital softening of the tissues of the larynx which made it very difficult for her to breastfeed. Breastfeeding is based on supply and demand. The more milk your baby consumes, the more milk your body produces. And since Grace's laryngomalacia made it difficult for her to get milk, my supply decreased, causing her to continue to lose weight. Since Grace wasn't able to nurse very well, she was constantly hungry and nursed virtually around the clock leaving me no time to eat, drink, or sleep, all of which are necessary to support your milk production. I was mentally and physically exhausted. My sleep deprivation left me so nauseous I could barely force myself to eat. I was anxious and worried and completely overwhelmed. I remember telling my husband through tears, I don't know if I can do this. But from the outside, everything looked fine. I distinctly remember taking Grace for a walk through our neighborhood. 
I was pushing the stroller and my husband was walking our dog, Ruby. A neighbor walked by and commented, how sweet, you must be enjoying every moment as a new family of four. In my head, I fumed. Enjoy every moment? We are barely surviving, much less enjoying anything. Later on in that same walk, another neighbor commented, wow, you look amazing. I can't believe you gave birth a few days ago. It took me years to lose the baby weight. I politely smiled, but again, the response in my head was far different. Yeah, well, it's pretty easy to lose weight when you're too exhausted and too overwhelmed to eat. I was frustrated that so much focus and attention was placed on external appearances. No one was asking how I was feeling or doing because everything looked fine. You see countless magazine articles and blog posts on how to lose weight and bounce back after having a baby. But where are the articles about maternal mental health? Where is the media coverage on struggles new mothers sometimes face? While I was frustrated with the lack of external support, we were blessed with an internal network of support and resources that were critical during the first few months of Grace's life. My mom and dad virtually moved in with us, preparing meals, giving bottles, walking our dog, and giving lots of hugs and shoulders to cry on. I think I cried just as much as Grace did during those first few weeks. I also noticed other changes in my behavior and personality. As a coffee aficionado, limiting my caffeine intake during pregnancy had been one of my biggest challenges. I couldn't wait until I could go back to enjoying more than one cup of coffee a day. I also figured it would be a necessity, given the sleep deprivation that seemed to go hand-in-hand with being a new parent. Well, I was right about the sleep deprivation, but I didn't go back to my coffee fix. Going to the trouble of making a cup of coffee didn't seem worth it. I no longer took any enjoyment from drinking coffee. Another small change that, in retrospect, was a symptom of a larger issue was my lack of care and attention to dressing Grace. While pregnant, I had lovingly washed and folded all of Grace's impossibly tiny newborn clothes, envisioning dressing her in each little outfit. But the reality of the first few weeks was that I simply threw on whatever onesie was on the top of the drawer and I wouldn't change her into a new one until the one she was wearing became soiled. I remember attending a breastfeeding support group and watching another mom carefully dress her newborn and realizing that I had never even put on socks or pants on Grace. It all seemed too hard and not worth the trouble. And While it's normal to experience changes in taste or preference and expectations aren't always going to match up with reality, these small changes were reflective of a bigger issue. I was not myself. I no longer found enjoyment in daily activities. I could barely muster up the effort or interest to do anything beyond meeting Grace's most basic needs. Something was off. My husband suspected that I was experiencing more than the usual baby blues, and administered that same depression screen the nurse used before we left the hospital. After seeing the results, he encouraged me to reach out to my healthcare provider, who diagnosed me with postpartum depression. His encouragement for me to seek help led to an early diagnosis, and therefore I could begin treatment earlier as well. I began taking an antidepressant and met with a therapist at our local community mental health center. I met other new moms who shared their experiences with similar struggles. 
One mom even gave me her number and would text me every few days to check in and provide encouragement. A coworker turned friend came to my house at a moment's notice to help me figure out how to use a baby wrap to carry grace, something that my sleep-deprived mind could not seem to figure out without her help. A neighbor, who I'd only spoken with casually once or twice, showed up at my doorstep with homemade soup. Everyone assured me that it would get easier, and slowly but surely it did. Grace is now a healthy and thriving 18-month-old, and I am so honored to be her mother, and together we're able to find joy in each other and each day. But I do often reflect on other new moms who might not as be as lucky as me, who didn't have an encouraging partner, who may not have access to health care, who might not have paid leave, who might not have a support network to lean on, and for who the stigma around mental illness might be too large for them to overcome. But we all can and must play a role in making things better which is why I'm speaking out and sharing my story. I want to make it okay for all Iowans to seek the care they need and to advocate for their own mental health. Thank you, Mary Nell. You can read more stories just like hers on the stories page of the Make It Okay website. Find it at makeitokay.org backslash Iowa. Postpartum mood disorders like postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety are common. Here to tell us more about these conditions is Dr. Tyler Van Milligan with Mercy One. My name is Tyler Van Milligan and I am a psychiatric resident at Mercy One in downtown Des Moines. The more we learn about and understand mental illness, identify it in our own lives and discuss it, we reduce stigma surrounding it and make it okay. I'm here to share some common signs, symptoms, and treatments for postpartum depression. A new baby can be very overwhelming for families. New parents are struggling with inconsistent sleep schedules, maybe changes in appetite. Moms are having body changes. There might even be moments of tearfulness, confusion, depression. And this can happen the day of delivery or a couple days after and last up to a week or two. This is commonly referred to as the baby blues and occurs in up to 80% of women. When these symptoms become more intense or don't go away after one to two weeks, then it may be something you want to contact your provider over. Commonly referred to as postpartum depression, depression during and after pregnancy affects about 15% of pregnant women. The formal diagnostic term is now major depressive disorder with peripartum onset meaning depression during pregnancy, even though about 50% of major depressive episodes occur postpartum or within four weeks after delivery. The symptoms of major depressive disorder with peripartum onset include depressed mood, a lack of interest or pleasure in all activities that traditionally the patient enjoyed for at least two weeks, plus five or more of the following, a reduced appetite, insomnia, well beyond what's expected for a newborn, sleeping too much, agitation, or slowing of speech and movements, fatigue, loss of energy, feelings of excessive guilt, diminished concentration, or suicidal thoughts. 
patients could have never experienced a major depressive episode before their pregnancy. And the pathophysiology behind it all is thought to be related to rapid shifts in the progesterone or estrogen levels, the peripartum depression, anxious depression, and anhedonic depression. Anxious depression tends to occur in the first trimester or the postpartum period, and in addition to mentioned depressive symptoms, patients experience anxiety or restlessness, tension, fear of poor outcomes, often forecasting the future, and incessant worry that is often distracting, even from their new family. They often struggle to relax, and many, up to 76%, have thoughts of self-harm or suicide. Many patients with anxious peripartum depression report depressive symptoms prior to pregnancy. Anhedonic depression, on the other hand, tends to occur primarily in the postpartum setting. Patients aren't able to experience pleasure in things that they once had pleasure in with significant impact on daily functioning. This doesn't mean consequences with external productivity. Many women actually are able to attend to daily tasks and meet the cultural expectations of a new mom really well but contend with internal feelings of disconnectedness from their world, themselves, and even their babies. Their depression may not always be very apparent to those around them. And this is a key thing to highlight. Depression may not always look the way we think it should look. Depressive episodes can present with or without hallucinations or delusions as well. Although less common, psychotic features to a peripartum depression occur in about one out of every 500 pregnant women and tend to occur more commonly in the first delivery and in patients with a primary diagnosis of a bipolar disorder. If hallucinations or delusions are mood congruent or they're aligned with depressed thoughts and feelings, command auditory hallucinations can occur and suggest that the patient harm themselves or harm their baby. Any symptoms like these warrant thorough psychiatric evaluation for possible primary bipolar disorder, possible inpatient level of care, assessment of thyroid function and a medical workup, and possible treatment with medications. Many women avoid care or treatment because they are worried about the impact of these medications on their pregnancies and the possibility of it getting in their breast milk and affecting their children. Many of these medications used to treat peripartum depression and its subtypes have very low risk to the developing fetus and are minimally excreted in breast milk. Many patients can safely continue breastfeeding while receiving treatment. These medications can be reviewed with a provider in detail, but the notion that patients cannot be on psychiatric medications because they are pregnant simply is not true. All risks and benefits must be considered, including possible fetal and newborn effects from untreated depression. There are psychotherapy options as well that can be pursued with or without medicines. Peripartum depression is treatable. If you or someone you love is experiencing symptoms, contact your primary care provider to discuss treatment options, including a possible psychiatric referral. Thank you, Dr. Van Milligan, for helping us better understand these conditions. And a special thanks to Mercy One for providing the segments from your mental health care experts. While mental illnesses are common and treatable, Many people are still afraid to talk about mental illness due to shame, misunderstanding, negative attitudes, and a fear of discrimination. The goal of Make It Okay is to end the stigma. To learn more about Make It Okay, visit makeitokay.org backslash Iowa for resources, including tips for talking about mental illness and links to become a Make It Okay ambassador or get your workplace involved. We've also got links to mental health support and crisis lines if you or someone you know is struggling with mental illness. 
Want to help us stop the stigma? Take the online pledge to Make It Okay. You can find it at makeitokay.org backslash Iowa. Thank you for listening to this episode of Make It Okay Stories, the podcast. Please share this podcast with your family, friends, and colleagues. Together, we can make it okay. This podcast is supported by Business Solver.